I'm Christina Jurekides, and we're committed to making the seemingly impossible possible. We stand at the intersection of the values of humanity with the value of technology. Inspire for Impact, the podcast, is a place where we have conversations with inspirational entrepreneurs, community leaders, and representatives of organisations who are boldly creating a future by design. The good, the bad, the warts, and the inspiration. We're leading the way to be the change we want to see in the world. Conversations that bring to light the magic that is happening on a daily basis all over the globe. And welcome to another episode of Inspired for Impact, where we are so fortunate to speak with the most amazing people all over the globe. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to have a conversation with Mariam Hashimi. Mariam, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I'm just going to read your amazing profile um, straight off LinkedIn because I really don't know where to start and I'm so excited for this conversation. Trusted global advisor, CS of Light, science fiction realities, astrophysics, love it, neuroscience, quantum spin, artificial intelligence simulation, human avatar. I'm sure there's much, much more to unpack, but thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Christina. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to go straight into astrophysicist uh, information because I know we just had a brief chat before we hit record um, on the podcast, and you mentioned that you have been today to hear an amazing astrophysicist. Please share that with our listeners. Absolutely. I think one of the beauties of our world of connection today is being able to have these opportunities for dialogue. And today I had the uh, privilege of listening to Dr. Avi Loeb from Harvard, astrophysicist through the Pari Center in Tuscany, Italy, speak about um, what it means to be a scientist, the new scientist, and how science is informed by um, our ability to listen deeply and our ability to be as open as we can be to new ideas and the way that our systems are structured to invite ideas that potentially challenge the status quo. And so it was very inspirational for me, transformational given our work with leadership and uh, quantum leaps in the sense that education is at the core of how we perceive our reality. And in order for us to perceive our reality differently, I think we need to look at education. So uh, fascinating talk. And really the, the crux of it for me is how do we invite different opinions at the table so that we can have fruitful dialogue apart from the, our epistemic bubbles? I love that. And so with the whole um, concept of astrophysicists and quantum spin and the new world that we are really about to embark on, I mean, people, you know, suggest that the, the change at the moment is the slowest it's ever going to be. And we can see that as we project into the future with, you know, the work of the astrophysicists, the work of that's coming with quantum. Um, how do you see everything coming together with knowing that we need to make it at a pace that most people can absorb and accept uh, and that we need to use it for good. We need to, to create this society that we all are proud to live in. I know you do lots of work in, in society, culture, organisation, architecture, art, etc. How do you, what's your big picture? How do you see all these amazing things that you're involved with fitting into, into this jigsaw puzzle, if you like? It's a great question, Christina. And I think 
in the way that I, uh, I would imagine you've brought together the work that you've done, it's similar to that in tapping into what drives us, our passions, and then connecting seemingly disparate dots. For me, at this point, I think art has the potential and the momentum to move us, and it is universal. Music is universal. And this universality taps into a human ideal that I think transcends intergenerational, cross-cultural differences and allows us to access a part of our humanity that is really just ineffable and at the same time connective and healing. And so the way that I see the structures, Christina, I think it's what uh, the, the talk today was also focused on is funding. So how do we fund our various initiatives? How do we bring together the private, the public, the parapublic sectors? And how do we move into philanthropic endeavors that are both democratic and yet allow for um, uh, foundations to, to, to set priorities? It's a it's a really interesting um, time to be alive. I, I but I th I believe that every generation, you know, throughout history could have said that we're just in our. It's a really interesting time to be alive moment. With so much change, with so many differing opinions, with so much, it's almost like so we know that the Earth sits on different plates. It's almost like we're sitting on different, um, different societal plates, different ethical plates, different different plates on so many different levels at the moment globally. How do you see things like art bringing those plates, if you like, level closer together? Uh, because as we know throughout history as well, all forms of art, creativity, have brought people together. How do you see that happening now in terms of quantum, the metaverse, all the, the, different, the different technologies that we can use in order to make that happen? I think that's a great question to explore. And my answer would be that I don't know. I think really it's about co-creation and about what everyone can bring to the table. So my interest is more on the process, the process and the structure of bringing different voices to the table to see what emerges, what unfolds. I think you're, you're, the way that you're describing it as tectonic shifts, these plates coming together, there's, a, there's this idea of a singularity that I, you're familiar with. And I think where we're headed is creating a sense of community and a global community with current travel restrictions, but also opportunities with technology, with cyberspace, cybersphere, the new sphere, and deep space travel, we have an opportunity to unite, I think, as a species. And I think that's our ability to elevate our brainwaves, our levels of consciousness, and to come together to see ourselves as part of a larger whole. We're very much aligned there. For me, the singularity isn't actually becoming one with a big computer interface in the sky it's it's exactly what you said it's this collective consciousness that works toward building um building this better planet i'd love you to share with our listeners more about your your um thoughts philosophies theories on urbanization culture and how the whole architecture of what we design um affects how we work how we live how we play how we think feel etc can you share some of that work with our listeners I'd be happy to, and I think um, this has come from decades of deep meditative thought 
I, you know, was fascinated by philosophy when I was young and thinking of, you know, why are we here? What is our purpose? And where were we before we came here? That led me down a path where I, you know, stumbled into a, into a larger abyss of questions and wonder and awe. And I think that's how I've ended up with understanding the human condition as an embodied narrative, Christina, where, you know, we are in this plane, in this physical realm, in our bodies, with the perceptors and the biology and the chemistry and the neuroscience that allows for access to the infinite. But we also come to realize our finite ability to perceive. And so what that means for me on a practical realm is when we are looking at cultural social change, looking at how we structure our societies, design our cities, how the conceptual architecture of what we design ends up designing us from Marshall McLuhan to Carl Sagan to uh, Richard Feynman, I think we see patterns emerge over time. And these patterns lend themselves to see how the architecture, for example, of the Renaissance was really instrumental in highlighting the importance of the arts. And I think we're living through a second Renaissance right now where we are paying attention to our, to our space, to our green space, to our connection to the land. And this is also being questioned by this new realm of the metaverse, spatial web 3.0, AR, VR. And so there's this, there's this tension that I think we're, we're reconciling uh, and also reconciling at an intergenerational level. So looking at um, people born in 95 and later, Christina, I would say uh, people who've known nothing but the internet. It's fascinating to see how their neural networks have been pruned and primed for a different way of communication and perception. So in, have you actually studied the maps of the brain of people that are born beyond that? Can you share a bit more um, of what that physically looks like um, with our listeners? Well, I'm not a neuroscientist. I have to qualify. You know, I think uh, I like to say I know a little bit about a lot. And I think we need more generalists who can find patterns and connect the dots. And what I've found is that there are connectomes, the way that we have set up you know, we we have a con we have a way that our brains are designed, and they're designed biologically, chemically, but also culturally. And these cultural connections seem to be, um, you know, th there's some interesting patterns that emerge, especially when you look at the thinkers, like um, looking at. Uh, uh, some of the notable figures in history and how their connectomes have been shaped. And there are these patterns, I think for me, are directly related to those brain waves, to understanding that there's something bigger than all of us. And so we move into this, I hesitate to say esoteric realm, this spiritual realm of entrepreneurship, leadership and artistic stewardship. Um, I, I'm not sure if I answered your question. <laughs> no, you have, and you've actually led me. I, I love what you're saying there because I actually believe, uh, and 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 what are your thoughts on this? I actually believe that science and spirituality are about to collide, to be honest. And and I, I think um, whereas people have seen them as two separate paths, 
quantum where we what we're proving with science uh and the whole aspect around spirituality i believe we're going to find a one and the same what what's your view well i think that for me the most important thing is to cultivate a sense of curiosity and cultivate a sense of collective curiosity and for me to say what I think is probably less important than to facilitate a process that invites something more akin to the Socratic dialogue, this return to wisdom, understanding, you know, how the ebb and flow of church and state has evolved and in this global um, economy with emerging markets that have vastly, you know, different epistemic ontologies and paradigm structures how will we communicate how will we collaborate and that's why i'm so keen on the work that you're doing christina social impact and this idea of building that into the dna um, of our businesses yeah i love that thank you for sharing that um because social impact is it it, it almost was this uh so i believe words come into vogue people use them people use them but they may not actually feel um feel the undertoes of what those words are and then all of a sudden those words land and people go oh that's what it means and it becomes part of our innate innate cellular makeup if you like uh i'm finding that with social impact throughout organizations so in, in your work are you finding that it is um just a, a given that an organization now um, is aiming to have impact, is aiming to change the world for good? Do you still believe um, that that we need to negotiate those roads a little bit further? What, what are your findings? What are you experiencing? That's a fascinating and excellent question, Christina. I think what we're, we're, we're living through is a shift with the great resignation, with um, what people refer to as quiet quitting and the need for psychological safety. What we're seeing is that we have needs as humans that cannot be met with a model that um, was born out of the industrial re revolution. And so as we usher in the potential for building a type one civilization, as we look at you know, interplanetary travel, what we can hope for and what we can aspire to is understanding the myopic legacy building of the past is no longer a model for us to aspire to, but looking at 3G, you know, multi-generational planning, understanding how ecosystems, complex adaptive systems, and how our global system with supply chains, with our ability to um, discern the, the impact of how our products today will run through their life cycle. Um, if, if we look at, for example, Patagonia, they have uh, now introduced you know, reusing their their materials for future products. That's a trend that I think is going to be um, continuing with circular economy, eco uh, consumerism, and conscious capitalism. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. And I think it maybe Patagonia might be another another major brand, but they're also having um, pre loved. They're calling it something much better than pre loved, but they're having a pre loved section. Uh, within their stores so that you can return an item rather than put it in a, in a waste bin if although I, I believe people that would return the item are 
of the mentality to put it in the waste bin anyway. Um, there's something on your profile that uh, I'd love to discuss a little bit further as well. Science fiction realities. So for us, we do a lot of work in science fiction as now science fact. Let's create the science fiction of tomorrow and bring it into science fact. When you talk about science fiction realities, what is it that you're meaning? Everything that you're alluding to. And I think given our, um, uh, you know, obsession with um, stories and narratives and co-creating narratives that have inclusive character building and the idea of moving beyond the duality of Star Wars, which was good versus evil, which was, you know, entering the realm of Dune that has inspired a lot of our, you know, movers and shakers and our, our, our young um, entrepreneurs. I think there's room and there's need for us to look at things like a solar punk future, for example, looking at not the Black Mirror-esque dystopian perspective, but also providing not the opposite, you know, necessarily a utopian view, but a white mirror-esque future of what the opportunities are for us to do good. And I think for that, science fiction is directly related to art and our ability to imagine. And our ability to imagine and use imagination as a driving force for our scientific experiments is directly related to astrophysics and our ability to think about, you know, what's beyond superstring, what's beyond supersymmetry. How can we conceive of the next generation of James Webb telescopes? Yeah, I love that. It's almost like the the science is the imagination the art is the bringing the vision to life and and then the hypotheses you know we often say to people a scientist will come up with a with a or somebody will come up with an observation that gets turned into a, a hypothesis and then you need to go away and prove what that is let's just focus on art um again for for a little bit art i know is very important in all the work that you do um how do you how do you how does that play out um, to give the outcomes to the people that you work with? How do you draw the art in to then help create um, that, the specified outcomes that you're working towards? I love that question. I love that question because it lights people up. Um, the, the, the easiest example that I can think of is a conference that I put together for participants to explore visual art, photography, stand-up comedy, and playback theatre. And playback theater, if you haven't heard of it, it's a fascinating uh, transformative way for groups to tell stories and to see it reflected back. I think what it does is it taps into something deep inside, that soul, that, you know, that, that, that yearning desire, because at the core of everything that we do, be it a data scientist, an engineer, a doctor, um, uh, a janitor, a gardener, Everybody has a form of creativity in the process, in the inception. And that's what art taps into. It's our ability to play. And that's how we learn, through playing. And so for me, art is play. I love that. And I also love the fact that um, what, you're, what you're saying is that we all have our own unique gifts. Uh, and my version of utopia is actually utopia X, X being the factor that makes it unique to, to who you are. And the thing that we need to do is to be able to join all the X's together to have this utopic life. Um, but my utopia is different to your utopia, is different to, you know, to other people's utopia. And how do we respect uh, and collide those worlds together? How do we make all those come together? What's the most fascinating thing 
um, that you've uh, actually that's a really hard question for you because with your level of curiosity and your depth of research I'm sure there's many many fascinating things but what's one of the most fascinating things um, that you have discovered that you carry with you into most conversations into your life uh, into everyday activities that you do I love love that question and really for me I'll give you an example today I had a talk with some uh, fascinating, you know, uh, creative entrepreneurs. And I started off the conversation with what makes you tick? And uh, what do you care most about? How would you describe your worldview? And they were thrown off because they're not typically asked that question. And I think it's our ability to ask questions, to be deeply curious about our fellow um, earthlings. And to ask these questions with an intent to listen. And the answer is that, you know, the richness and the depth of the conversation just elevated from, you know, talking about the weather and how people are doing and what accolades and credentials we have to our deeper purpose. Why are we here? And what is driving you right now? And I would ask, you know, I'd love to know, Christina, what makes you tick? And what is your worldview? Uh, I think my worldview is I've been an idealist. Um, all my life I don't remember a time when I wasn't an idealist uh, and I actually envisage a world where we can live with all our differences uh, and, but we have you know we have this mutual respect my north star is unconditional love so planetary unconditional love uh, and everything that we do has that as its north star so all these you know the astrophysicists the quantum computing um, those deep conversations that you're alluding to, the history that comes down to us from the ancestors, it all forms this one, this one, um, one concept, one universe um, for me. And that's, I guess, that's where my life's work um, is, which may be why my children still don't understand what it is that I do. I'm not sure. Um, I have. I love absolutely- what you do, Christina, and I love. I think um, you you had the term moonshot. Perhaps that you know. When I think of of you, I think of moonshot. Would you be able to share a little bit about that? Oh, thank you. Who's interviewing you on this podcast? Um, <laughs> oh, no, I'm just. Yeah, no, that's lovely. I like this. This has had not happened before. Uh, so a moonshot for me is like setting your sights so high, and in that high idealistic, even potentially unrealistic realm. Uh, and then making it happen because, you know, I have another favorite saying, and I'm not sure where this came from either, but it's hallucination without execution. No, sorry. Um, ideation without execution is hallucination. So you can have all these dreams and, and express all these thoughts, but if you can't actually bring them into a reality, then, then they are just a dream and they, they kind of live um, out there in, in esoteric world, which is okay because we get a lot of questions and a lot of the curiosity and a lot of the creativity um, from out there anyway. But thank you for asking. Um, if I was to, to, to ask you one final question and all the things that you do, we are not going to cover uh, in this podcast. I'd love to invite you to come back um, in a couple of months time and, and we'll go part two from here. Um, if there was one one outcome one I don't want to the word is advice but it's not really advice if there was one suggestion um, that you could inspire our listeners with right now what might that be I think it starts in the mirror with the self with self-awareness and our ability to really uh, be able to see our whole self and to continually 
revise and reimagine. And that's the beauty and the excitement that I find in the mystery of art, because there are no rules apart from your ability to play. And if we were able to see the future building that we're engaged in together as there are no rules, only what we have done in the past, then I think we open ourselves up to possibilities that we might not have imagined in the past. And that for me is the most exciting and um, profound thing that I think at this point in time we can start with is the self because that ripple emanates from the individual to the collective, to the universal. Mariam Hashimi, it has been an absolute delight to spend time My with you. God. I can't even, I can't wait for our next interview <laughs> and this one's not even over yet. Um, thank you for sharing your insights and your thoughts with our listeners. Uh, it, it's been truly inspirational speaking with you this morning. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you, Christina. And thank you for trusting and, and sharing with me and everyone else. I, I think you have done so much to create a stage for the sharing of ideas and the cross-pollination of ideas across continents. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you've enjoyed this version, this episode of Inspired for Impact, please share it with your friends, colleagues. Don't forget to subscribe uh, and stay tuned for our next episode coming up shortly. And we will bring Marion Fish. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.